Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back, everyone, to the 12th episode of the Take the Points podcast. I'm Tate Seth, and I'm sitting live in person with Arjun Menon as we're both on campus for the school year again. Arjun, how does this feel to finally be doing this in person? Oh, it's it's awesome. Like, I think when we saw each other, we were just smiling. And I mean, we, we haven't seen each other since like the end of April. So always good to reconnect. And this isn't the first like live in-person podcast I've done with another person, you know, I have my Chargers podcast where I've, I've sat in person and done it live, but it's definitely a cooler feeling to be able to just like talk and see emotion in person rather than on, on screen. So really excited to be doing it in person and excited for this episode as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this is, yeah, this, this is the first podcast I've done uh, that's not like on zoom or something similar. So very excited for the show today. And, you know, we'll be talking about like our football analytics journey um, and, you know, that's, this is kind of like the last like off season thing we had planned. We wanted to talk about like what it's like to get into football analytics. And we have a really good guest uh, with in Matt Edwards joining us from Stats Bomb a little later in the episode. And so just for everyone to kind of lay out like the next couple of weeks of this podcast. So next week will be our big season preview show where we'll be giving our projected division standings and how we think the playoffs will fall and everything like that. And then the NFL season will get started and we'll have actual football to talk about. And we'll be joined by a different member of the Michigan Football and Lick Society each week. And so, you know, we started this show uh, because we wanted uh, to, you know, just do this as like a club and everything. And, uh, you know, with us two being pretty high up in the club, we thought like it would be good to start over the summer and then kind of have things set up for when each guest will come on. So we have a lot of cool people that we're excited for for all our listeners to hear and everything. Yeah, the the whole part about the club is is my favorite part is like we, at least for me, the, you know, being a part of the club got me a lot of cloud on Twitter and, and definitely helped me in my journey to getting to work with PFF in, in two different kind of like roles and capacities. And really excited that like we we have some re- really sharp people at the club at, at Michigan that uh have putting have been putting articles on the site for a couple months dating back to last year and obviously we want to give as many people as much exposure as we can to people on Twitter or, or people who work for teams that they can see that the people that are in our club do great work and also have pretty strong opinions that they'd be willing to share on the podcast mm-hmm. yeah definitely and so yeah, we can, you know, we can kind of jump into our journey specifically and then kind of go from there. So uh so my my journey to getting into football analytics started uh, you know, from from very young age as it does with most people. I just really liked watching football with, you know, my dad and my grandpa. We would mostly watch Lions games, but we'd watch some other stuff too. Uh and and then, you know, kind of like the number side of that is I got a lot of baseball ca- cards when when I was younger. Um from family or friends and stuff. And I would always really like to read like the background of the the players on the back of the card and like their stats. Like I always like, like to look at like how many RBIs they had and different stuff like that. So, you know, as I got older in high school, I wanted to like kind of blend numbers and football together. So what that entailed was, you know, copy and pasting data from pro football reference onto Google Sheets because uh, I didn't know how to code at the time. And I didn't know that there was all these resources available. And I was just trying to make graphs on Google Sheets just to see like which players were improving in, you know, 2016 to 2017 or different things like that. But 
when I got to college and, you know, Michigan football analytics, like really helped with, I started going to meetings because uh, I saw they were a football analytics club. And I thought that was really interesting. And then, you know, I, I was, I was taught what EPA was or what CPOE was and kind of like the methods to calculating expected stats and different stuff like that. And, uh, but my freshman year got cut short because of COVID. So we were sent home from the dorms. We weren't able to do many more meetings after that. And uh, I was lucky because I came across Ben Baldwin's uh, introduction to NFL Fast R tutorial. So I hadn't coded uh, in R or Python up until this point. I only had taken one computer programming class in C++. Uh, and I didn't think like I was a great coder because C++ is a very difficult language. But when I was going through his tutorial, it felt easy to me. It was data that I understood. And, you know, I, I just started making graphs uh, that I was, you know, would take some chunks of Ben Baldwin's code and put it into my thing, but also wanted to change some stuff around too. started posting that on Twitter and then, you know, got a lot of constructive criticism and it went from there. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I think we're both pretty similar in our journey, I think. But there are some differences, especially when we got to college, like I my start to football and data came in fantasy football. Like mm -hmm. I always had this like vision of like building a team. And that's what fantasy football allowed me to do. And everyone on fantasy football will look at the same things like fantasy points per game or like how many fantasy points does your does the defense that your player is playing give up or they'll look at the same like ESPN rankings or Yahoo rankings. So I was always trying to find an edge over people in my league. So that would lead me to understanding like team strength better. So towards the end of my high school when I was like really getting serious about like I was always serious about fantasy football but when I really like dove deeper into it I was learning more about like DVOA and like I didn't know about like EPA at the time and I don't think it was like that widely like proclaimed but like understanding how DVOA can help better measure team strength and like win loss record or knowing how point differential and how the Pythag win um win totals like how all of that tied together helped me like understand football better helped me in fantasy football a little bit more and then um, getting to Michigan, you know, I didn't really sign like my major is more like business related than coding related on like Tage. And I was kind of like victim to COVID where my first semester, my only semester, my freshman year was in the dorms and we couldn't really do much outside of it. And I didn't want to really like take a chance and like risk my health at the time, which looking back on it, it was kind of like a, a, a sad move by me. <laughs> but um, I, I did join the Michigan Football Analytics Society and that really jump started my career. My first article was literally just writing about why the Chargers were the best one in four team in the NFL at the time. And they were. And, you know, from there, I was just writing articles biweekly. Tage was editing them. And at some point in like February or, uh, or March of 2021, um, I, I was like really looking to do my own football work. And at the time, I was kind of just sending Tage like CSVs or Excel files of like shit I was putting. I didn't mean to curse, but things I was putting uh, together. And I remember like one of the things we were looking at together was like football outsiders, like adjusted games lost. Mm -hmm. And like, this is before you joined PFF and created uh whale. But I was like, wow, like, you know, Tage can do all of this like so easily. I just give him, give it to him. Like I want to be able to do this myself. So end of March, where it was kind of like the dry period between midterms and finals, where like we kind of have learned everything we need to know from our classes. And now it's just like prepping for finals. I had a lot of free time. And so I picked up um, and watched Connor McQuiston's tutorial on our MFans channel. So this was like season one of, of our coding tutorials in R. And then you obviously did season two, mm -hmm. Tage. Um, but his tutorial was so easy and so straightforward. I, I watched it a couple of times and, you know, follow, followed along, started putting out my own graphs on Twitter. And then kind of like luckily, but like unluckily for me, I dislocated my knee in end of April or like end of May, actually, like right after school ended. And so I was just sitting on my bed and on the couch. So I had a lot of free time and I used all my free time towards coding, got a little bit better, you know, made my first clustering article in uh, July and then got hired by PFF doing a lot of more content stuff last July. And then um, this past May, I transitioned to R&D and worked under Eric. So that was kind of my journey, a little bit different than you, but I think a lot of the same points where we just picked up R in college and took off from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's really cool as like, you know, 
since you're a sports management major that you still made sure to expose yourself to coding, even though that like doesn't necessarily, you know, pop up too much in, in your coursework and everything. And like, I think what you said about like just starting to write, uh, you know, the first article about the chargers or just like writing the clustering article that happened a couple months later, like that's like, I think the most important thing someone can do uh, as they're getting into football analytics, you need to make a portfolio or just like a set of things you can share with people because those are the things that, you know, not only get you noticed, but making one graph is like, you know, something that you can do 10, 15 lines of code. But when you have to put together a long form article where you're writing, you know, a uh, thousand to, uh, you know, 1500 words, uh, and you're making like four or five graphs to support your claims and everything, you're going to be using a lot of different types of methods uh, in coding. You're going to be using a lot of different you know, types of analysis. You could be like watching film to confirm your priors so that when you put out this take, it it um it actually sticks and different stuff like that. So, you know, that's what I, I just tell a lot of people is just create like a WordPress account uh, or do like a long Twitter thread or just anything to like, just like, kind of like make sure that you're like making, you're putting like, you're chaining different types of analysis together, basically. Yeah, no, I, so you obviously have a lot more thought than me. You're up, I think like 12.5K followers on Twitter. I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit far behind, but still have my modest like 5.8, I think. And so you obviously got a lot more DMs from people asking like, how do you get started? I've had my fair share. I've had some people where I've kind of like helped them through and, you know, gotten close with a couple of people um you know just like ask when they've asked me to help and you know i've seen kind of the progression of them starting in r and having a lot of questions because dude i remember like back in like last april i would be like pestering you with questions like <laughs> i didn't know how to fix any of these errors i didn't know how to look at any of this up on stack overflow like i was just so stuck and like it's it's pretty cool going from like being like the mentee to like mm -hmm. the mentor to some people. And I, I obviously don't want it to like be like a mentee mentor relationship because like I'm, I'm only 20 and like some of the people that have reached out to me are like older than me. I, you know, it's kind of like a relationship or a friendship at the time, or that's what I wanted to transition to. But I do agree that like, I think putting graphs on Twitter is cool, but eventually having the type of like articles that we've written, not only for the website, but for PFF, you know, doing it for free, you kind of have to like, just go through those growing pains. Like not everything in life is going to come easy. And we both picked up coding from scratch and you now you look back on your own articles, probably the most, one of the more famous ones you've written is like what, um, how quarterback uh, metrics, how they correlate to wins, mm -hmm. right? That actually just got cited by the athletic by uh, Paul, I don't know, it's Den Denner Jr. who writes for the Bengals. And it, it's pretty cool that even after all these years, just doing simple things in Excel or Google Sheets is still getting recognition. So even if you're doing analytics in R or Python or something as simple as Google Sheets, putting it out there for people to see is, is the biggest thing I always tell some people. And like, even if you're not that good of a writer, like, like a lot of times a picture is worth a thousand words. So yeah. You know, just putting stuff out there is is very important. Mm -hmm, definitely, and yeah, like I think what you said about you know people direct messaging uh, us or direct messaging other people in the industry, like we were all you know running into errors when we started coding, and you know kind of felt hopeless at times. You know, when I was googling stuff, or you know, and like it'd be something dumb, like I like had a comma in like a spot I didn't notice or something like that. But like I think like that's very important for people to not be afraid to reach out to people in the industry who are already established and, you know, doing football analytics, like, cause, cause they're going to be sympathetic because they can put themselves in your shoes pretty easily and know that, you know, these are kind of like the steps you have to take to get into this. And like the first step that you have to, you know, kind of take is just to like have like a good understanding of advanced metrics or just metrics in general. Because when you're coding, you know, you're going to want to be grouping and summarizing data a lot, and you're going to have to decide like what kind of metrics you want to evaluate. So, you know, kind of reading up on expected points added EPA and like why that's like so widely used, I think was important for me, uh, you know, when I was starting, when, when someone taught me why we use EPA instead of yards gained. And, uh, and, you know, and then the different passing metrics, why we don't use passer rating uh, to, to evaluate quarterbacks and, you know, why there's other, other metrics to use. And then from there, like getting into the, the coding side of things where you can actually take those metrics and you can filter them. And you, if you just want to check first half 
or if you just want to check, you know, late downs or all that different stuff. And, but you can use those specific metrics as your evaluation tool and, you know, having that test to kind of make sure that your priors are, are checked there too, I think is probably like the, the third thing, uh, you know, when, when someone's starting off with, with sports analytics. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think one of the things I've always recommended to people that have like called me or, or DM me is like, what should I do? Right. It's always hard to like, you, you might have like an idea of like why you want to code like and and I've always told people like just just know what you want to find like have a direction when I started coding it was to do chargers work like chargers analytics and I was like I want to like look at splits from Justin Herbert's rookie year I want to like look at his uh, season progression see his high points and his low points via EPA and CPOE I want to like see the chargers rushing attack how it fared running right versus running left like I had all these questions that I didn't want to ask you. And like, I was like, I want to take this upon myself to learn. So after I did the first tutorial and after running into countless errors, you eventually get to that point where you can find the answers, but having that direction is important. And like, again, I've told people like, if you want to get started and you want to like gain followers or gain cloud, like the easiest ways to do, or is to have like a team specific account. Now, obviously you don't want to be, have like an account that's like, uh, like Gronkowski fan page or something like you want to like <laughs> keep it like cordial, like give your actual name and, but like, but like be posting stuff about the Buccaneers and be posting stuff about like how Tom Brady's EPA per target to Gronk versus Cameron Braid or something. And like how this, like how it's going to impact this upcoming season. And like, that is a way that like, you'll get noticed by a certain fan base. And, you know, you, when you start posting stuff, you might not get many likes or impressions or anything, but you can use your tweets to comment under like beat reporters and people will see that and you'll mm -hmm. start to get followers from a fan base. And eventually like people from other fan bases will see. And then after you move past your team specific stuff, like I did, like I was doing Chargers work for like two months, got picked up by a Chargers podcast. Then I realized like, okay, I've, I've kind of got like a good niche with the Chargers fan base. Like I'll always have that side now i want to transition to learning more or doing more stuff about the entire nfl which you kind of want to do because that's how you kind of get picked up by teams or, or some of these big media companies and i think that's kind of like a good progression of starting with team specific stuff and then transitioning to more uh, nfl related stuff mm -hmm. yeah no I, I love that path and i mean i i guess i didn't necessarily go on that path but i think that's really cool because yeah, because when when you're like when you're making, you know, graphs and stuff, chances are the question or the direction that you want to go in is something that someone out there has thought about before. And a lot of people, you know, don't don't have the resources or the ability, uh, you know, in that in that moment to maybe make the graph that you just made. So by by when you make it, you know, you don't have to worry about like, oh, are like a lot of people going to like this? Or, you know, is it going to get picked up by like a, you know, a local article or, or something like that? Like, just like, just put it out there because people are going to find, you know, similar things interesting that, that you find interesting. And, you know, when and it's just like, you know, you're just like football, football is fun. Football analytics is, is like, it's like an enjoyable experience. That's why a lot of people, you know, treat it as a hobby. So the more that you do stuff like that and, uh, and, and put stuff out there, I think is just, it's just really good exposure and you can meet so many people that way because you know you you'll never know really like and the every nfl team has eyes all over twitter whether it's with burner accounts or you know maybe even their own accounts that they use personally and yeah. just don't like or retweet anything off of but there's people that'll see you know any good work all the time uh you know it gets retweeted by big accounts or or anything like that like that's that's really how you get noticed and you you start creating all these connections just from twitter uh and and all that stuff yeah, we we were talking with our mutual friend Daniel yesterday, Salib, who's was part of our contract negotiation team, and like to us, like Twitter is almost like LinkedIn, mm -hmm. right? Like that's how like I got my job with PFF. Like I had work to show from from my Twitter and from the M fans uh, website, and it's it's pretty cool how like you can form all of these connections through Twitter and and meet all of these people who have influence, who have influence on in the media space or on the team side space or agency space, like you can form so many connections, but it's not going to happen unless, you know, you kind of take that step and, and yeah, like you might comment under their stuff and, and they might not like notice it or they might not reply to it. Like you have to understand, like a lot of these people get a lot of replies every day. And like, unless they're tweeting like 50, 60 times a day, 
I think it's it's tough for you know your it might be tough initially for you to get your work notice, but eventually it will happen. Like I remember like comment like my, the first time like someone like Ben Baldwin replied to one of my tweets and it was like oh wow like you know Ben Baldwin with, with like 60k followers or something like he's look he saw my work and he retweeted it like that's pretty cool like and once you get that first like adrenaline rush I think it, it everything starts to flow where like you kind of have more motivation to keep pumping out work and and keep putting out work on Twitter mm-hmm. yeah and yeah the the Twitter is the new LinkedIn thing is is a good quote that's kind of like so like I, I guess a lot of people have asked about my PFF journey too as well and so for me, basically, that what that was was yeah, I was just like tweeting like basically whatever came to mind or whatever graph I made. There was a long couple months where our friend Connor McQuiston was the only person that interacted with my account, but you know, eventually more people start interacting with your account, and I noticed a PFF employee had followed me one day, and so I kind of you know I was looking for internships at the time because it was my sophomore year of college, and you know I, was, I wanted to to get an, an internship that was data related. Um, and so I, I kind of messaged the employee and I said, you know, do you know if PFF has any internships, uh, to offer for the, for the summer? Like, I'd, I'd be really interested. You know, I love everything that you guys do. And he said, he's like, oh yeah, email, uh, Eric eager. And he can kind of, you know, kind of let you know, because it's his department that you'd probably want to work in. So I reached out to Eric and Eric is like, oh, I've seen your Twitter account before. Uh, you know, like these are kind of like the next steps, you know, you have to take, uh, you know, we'll have a phone call and uh, we'll get to know each other a little bit better over the next couple of months. And then that way we can kind of, you know, hopefully offer you the internship uh, towards the end of the school year. And so I was really excited, you know, by that. And, you know, he, he, Eric was started following me on Twitter as well. And, you know, I was doing the same stuff I was doing beforehand where, putting out graphs I thought were interesting or, you know, data analysis uh, in the form of a tweet. And so, you know, as me and Eric got to know each other better, you know, eventually he was able to give me a a role at, at PFF. And then he also offered uh, Zach Drapkin uh, from, from Warden, uh, who, who is now at the Philadelphia Eagles as a quantitative analyst. So, you know, it was, it was super cool to work with Zach and Eric. You know, I learned so much from them uh, about so many different things, both, you know, on the football side of things and the data side of things. But yeah, the exposure is, is just so huge to getting opportunities and, you know, just making a name for yourself and, and everything like that. Yeah, definitely had the same experience with uh, Eric this past summer and, and Haley and and Judah, who I both work with very closely, you know, a lot of things I learned from them on the football side and coding side that it was it was really beneficial to me. And I think like, you know, one thing we should probably like talk about is we kind of like or I, I think I applied to PFF after my freshman year as applied as compared to you after your sophomore year. So like I had only been coding for three whole months at the time that I applied to PFF. And the role I applied was more, I guess, like content driven because I was writing a lot more articles rather than doing a lot more like R and D stuff like I did this past summer. So like, I guess my strengths fit in a little bit there, but like I did get asked in my interview, like my experience with R and Python. And like, I told them like, yeah, I started, like I just started out, but like I've been improving every, Mm -hmm. every week, every month I've, you know, you can look at some of the articles I've written where I just literally screen grabbed Ben Baldwin's site and, and now in the articles that I was writing prior to joining PFF, it was, it was graphs that I was making like through the clustering articles or or the um, study about AGL. And it's funny, like I, I'd been reading Football Outsiders for a while. And like even before I joined PFF and like I I wrote my article about the interesting case about, about adjusted games loss. Then Aaron Schatz from Football Outsiders, who's like he's probably on like or close to the Mount Rushmore mm-hmm. football analytics. Like he messaged me out of the blue, like he took the time to message me, thought he he loved my article. He even put it he put my initial article on the guest website where he was like, um, where he's like this guy from Michigan football analytics wrote this really cool article using football outsiders data. And then he let me write an article for his actual website, which I was like, this is really freaking cool. Cause like football outsiders is something I grew up with and have mm-hmm. been following for a while. So, you know, don't be afraid to like apply for things that you may not, you know, have, a chance in because like if you even if you may not be like technically sound like I was at the time like as long as you have the work and you show that like you have the passion to keep improving I think Mm -hmm. anyone will or some people will take a chance on you and again like 
writing for football outsiders and pff like just a couple of months after i started coding seems like impossible even like looking back on it but definitely like super grateful to the people that helped me along the way and i mean again it, it kind of goes to show like there's no uh there's nothing nothing to lose by taking a chance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's really great. And yeah, that's why. Okay, so I wanted to talk about some like resources that where people can get started, uh, because I, I think that'd be really helpful. So, you know, again, like I mentioned, Ben Baldwin's introduction to NFL Fastar is really good, because he basically created this file, you know, all you have to Google is introduction to NFL Fastar, and it'll pop up, where he just like goes through like the different functions that you use in R uh, using play-by-play -play data from this past season, right? So, and then he'll explain like kind of what each function does. And so you can kind of see like how your data is transforming, right? So if you if you just take a set of play-by-play -play data and you just want to look at passing plays, like he'll show the line for that. And then he says, you know, okay, we just have our passing plays. How about we look at how each team performed on those passing plays? So then he'll show the lines for that. And you can kind of just run each line individually and keep like opening up the data set to see like what's changed. And you'll like start to notice like what each kind of like function does. So I think I think that's really good to go through. Um, if, you know, if, if reading isn't like maybe something that you, you learn by and, you know, you might be more of a visual learner. Uh, we like we have YouTube tutorials that we make uh, for the members of the Michigan Football Analytics Society that are posted on the YouTube channel M Fans, like M A or M F A N S uh, on YouTube. So that that those I've you know I've gotten a lot of good feedback from, and those that always makes me like really happy when someone messages me and says like that's like what helped them get started with coding and. Uh, you know, we've, we put a lot of time into making sure like those tutorials cover like all the stuff that we want it to cover. So, so that's another good place to, to start uh, with, with football data. And then there's just like, there's like uh, Coursera courses or edX courses, or even just YouTube uh, that, that isn't football related, that there's just so many resources out there for getting started with R that, you know, people have taken the time to put together like an hour video tutorial or in the Coursera example, you know, you go through a couple like quizzes, I think, or, mm -hmm. or something like that. Like, I think, I think those are, those are huge too. And just learning R or Python is so crucial um, for, you know, football analytics, because you, you need to basically know how to code to, to do it. But the great thing about it is once you learn one of those tools, you can apply it to any industry and, you know, work uh, basically for any company uh, right now, because every company needs a, a data scientist. And, you know, I think like the, what, what film people do uh, is, is very cool. And, you know, the way that they're able to break down coverages and scheme is really important, but that can only be applied to football. Those, those skills that they pick up when they, when they study the game, when we study football analytics, it can be applied to almost everything. So, uh, I think, yeah, just, just getting started with, with resources like that, whether it's, you know, a written tutorial, YouTube tutorial, uh, a course, anything like that to get started is super crucial. Yeah, I think, it's I love that you brought it up because when I my parents initially like tried to make me code when I was in like middle school or something like because both of them are in tech and like I hated it like I was doing like Java or like mm -hmm. like starting out in like scratch or something and I was just like this is like the most boring thing ever like and it was because of the way I was learning like I was learning from like them and I was learning from the internet and I was learning to write hello world when I didn't give a crap about writing hello world <laughs> so when I started learning R I was learning it using like football's data, which I was passionate about, right? Like, I think it's it's cool that you, like, I I agree with everything you said. And I would say that if you're new to coding, you want to learn to code about something you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. And that's where like, I think starting out with Ben Baldwin's tutorial or, or Tage's tutorial on our, on our uh, club's YouTube site, that's where you should start. Like, I don't think it's really actually smart to start with a course because <laughs> with a course, like it can give you direction but you may not have the type of like passion or you might not have the consistency or dedication to do it every single day or or put in the time where whereas like if you look at our tutorials or you look at ben baldwin's tutorial where like okay i'm actually passionate about football i'm passionate about learning about this and that and i want to like make graphs or tables you'll actually have more motivation to put in the time and the hours and I think that's that's a big part. Like I remember during the summer, my goal was like at least one graph or one tweet about EPA or CPOE a day. 
And like that would that would help me grow as a as a as an account, as a person, and also help me like get better with coding because every time you you open R, you know, you will run into errors initially mm -hmm. as, as a beginner. So I think like Tate said, use all the resources available. But when you start, I think it's important to start with something you're passionate about. So even if it's not football, like there's people who have done basketball tutorials mm -hmm. using like NBA stat R or Symes, uh, our friend Symes uh, hoop R, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's that's where you want to start. You want to start with something you're motivated to do and and that will help you keep going. And once you get more advanced, then you can, I think, take the courses where it's like, okay, now that I have the start, I'm not going to be running into these errors when I'm taking the course and I can just focus on getting better and more advanced. Yeah, actually, yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point because, you know, I, as I've gotten far, further along in my coding and, you know, just like data scientist journey in general, uh, when I was taking my deep learning course uh, the past semester, I was always like, when we were learning stuff in the class, like on building different types of neural networks, I was always like thinking about how can I connect this back to football? Like, am I going to be able to, to use this uh, for, for something football related? And so it's cool to have a passion like that, whether it's football or, or basketball or, or, you know, just whatever healthcare, um, anything like that, I think can be really important for, yeah, just like a, a, a coder's journey and, uh, and getting started with the right language. Um, and so, you know, I, uh, along the right language thing, like a lot of people ask R or Python, like which, which should I start with? So like the NFL community is, I would say like 70% R if I had to put a number on it. So, you know, you're going to get a lot of, lot more help if you start in R. Python's advantages is if you want to get really deep into modeling where you're using XGBoost and CatBoost, on uh, all the SK Learn capabilities they have to build out like very high performing models. That's where I would lean Python for a lot of things, but there's been a lot of big data bowl submissions where they clean the data in R, they use Python to do advanced modeling, and then they come back to R to make graphs and yeah. tables because it's easier there, right? So it doesn't really matter which one you start with. If you think you know, you're someone that's going to be asking for a lot of help, I would start with R personally, if you're someone who wants to create very cool models and dashboards and all that stuff, I would start with Python, but it doesn't, doesn't matter too much in the grand scheme of things, as long as you're picking up a coding language. And I think eventually a lot of people end up knowing both anyways. Yeah. I, I think my big thing over the summer was to learn like Python a little bit. I got, I got a basic understanding, but um, you know, definitely still a place I wanted to improve. And I mean, I think, I think it's good to have a mix of both. And like you said, the, the best, um, some of the best submissions are are people who utilize both. Like I'm pretty sure the winning submission was uh, from the uh, Simon Fraser people, and like I think they did stuff in R modeled in Python, but like their graphs and stuff. Whereas like they 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 did uh, the animated plots, like those were all in mm -hmm. R. You could tell there was mm -hmm. an R because of the GG plot colors and everything. So yeah, I, I definitely agree there, and I'm not as advanced with as you in, in either language. So I think, you know, def deferring to teachers is, is definitely the smart uh, way to go here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, like it's been, been really impressive that you've been able to, even though your major isn't coding specific, you've been able to pick all this stuff up and so quickly too, and, and do so much at PFF. And like the last thing I, I wanted to say was, um, you know, the, like coding is coding is great and everything and, you know, doing football and like just like on your own is, is fun, but, something I think I like had a little bit of a problem with at the beginning was kind of getting tunnel vision into like, all right, I'm just working on this project. I'm setting aside two hours to just like put this project, write this article and publish it. But I wish that when I was starting at the very beginning, my freshman year of college, I was reading a lot of research papers and journals out that are already out there on football analytics. You know, that ended up happening um, like kind of like my sophomore, junior year when uh, Connor, you know, started sending some of them to me. And I was like, wow, like these are, these are really cool. And like, these are like kind of the next step you can take from writing articles. But early on, if you're just, you know, if you want to just go read like the winning big data bowl submissions for the past three years or all the finalists, or, you know, kind of look at what Simon Fraser has done or Carnegie Mellon has done with a lot of the journals that they end up publishing. I think that's something that, that is important too for, for the journey. So that we, we threw a lot out there, um, kind of to, to summarize, you know, understand advanced metrics, uh, you know, start, start with coding, you know, if you want to make it team specific to get going on Twitter, I think that's a great place 
to start. Uh, yeah, just, you know, just be be constantly posting, whether it's on Twitter, WordPress or anything. Um, and then, you know, you kind of can branch off into a bunch of different directions there. But uh, yeah, Arjun, this is this is a lot of fun. Uh, we'll we'll now um, jump into our interview with Matt Edwards from StatBomb, where we'll expand on a lot of the topics we just talked about. We're now very excited to bring on our good friend, Matt Edwards, formerly the director of football analytics at the University of Virginia, and now the head of football analysis at StatsBomb. You know, Matt, we like to share our favorite moment or interaction with our guests and my my first like interaction with you was when I wrote my NFL clustering receivers article last summer and you kind of co-tweeted it and gave it some exposure, which I at the time really appreciated. And uh, you also kind of like inadvertently introduced me to Alex Stern, who's now working as a research analyst for my chargers, which was really cool. And, and you know, we've had some pretty good interactions and it was also really cool to see you at Sloan. And overall, you know, I think you were doing a lot of great work at Stotsbaum and putting out a lot of good content for people like me and on Twitter to see. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And um, I mean, I think you guys are some really bright young people in the field. So excited to, I mean, hear from you guys as well as, you know, hopefully share some information that you guys can enjoy and people will like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. I appreciate that. And thanks for coming on. You, you know, my first interaction with you was uh, when me and, you know, my friends Connor McQuiston and Joey DeCreasy met with you when we were like trying to get more into football analytics. And we wanted to hear like what it was like working for a college football team when you were at UVA and doing football analytics for them. And, you know, it was, it was great. You know, you like walked us through so many things and it was very crucial for all of our journeys uh, in, in the football analytics space. And, you know, like Joey went off to intern with the Jets this summer and Connor went off to with the Cardinals. And, you know, it's very important, I think, to talk to someone like you so early in the process and, and kind of get that analysis. So can you kind of take us through like, you know, kind of like your journey into getting into football and, and getting into analytics and, and everything and, and how that's led to where you are today? Yeah. So, you know, I feel like my current role and, and what I do is kind of a, a combination of my two passions in life. So growing up, my grandpa actually was a college football coach. He coached for, you know, he's the head coach for 30 years at, at BYU. And so grow up and college football was king i mean we would go to the games every saturday when they were at home and um just it was such a big part of my life and uh, my family's life so always grew up loving football and um academically was just sort of good at math and numbers and, and so i knew that i wanted to major in math um, but i didn't know exactly what i wanted to do yet um growing up i mentioned my grandpa was a coach and my dad was a doctor and so in my mind, I was like, those are two pretty cool jobs. You know, maybe I'll, I'll do one of those too. Um, I had the opportunity to walk on the football team at BYU when I was there. And after my second season, I thought I, I don't want to do anything that, that doesn't involve football. So I dropped the, uh, the doctor plan um, and decided that I wanted to, to be in football. And, and at the time that meant coaching football. And so after I finished um, playing at BYU, I, I started along the path there. I was a graduate assistant coach, then I coached at a Division three school where I, I had a bunch of responsibilities, was a recruiting coordinator, coached receivers, coached offensive line. I was the interim head coach for a little bit. Um, and so started down the coaching path, and then my head coach at BYU took the job as the head coach at UVA. And so was able to join his staff a little bit later in an analyst role. And when I applied, I, I told, you know, Coach Mendenhall, I said, hey, I have this background in math. I, I had the opportunity to take a sports analytics class as part of my graduate studies. And, um, you know, I would say I maybe fudged uh, my abilities a little bit when I was talking to, to Coach Mendenhall and, and said, I, I can do some analytics stuff. I, I think that we should take this role that direction. And, and luckily for me, he's a data driven coach and, and let me go down that path and, and gave me an opportunity to kind of get my foot into the analytics world um, while staying with football. Yeah, I know that's, that's such a cool journey. And one of the things we, we 
one of the reasons we wanted to talk to you is like I because of your journey and how unique it is like we both like didn't grow up like playing football but we always loved football and data was kind of like our entry to, to football while yours was coaching I was curious like why you decided to like go to UVA and start taking classes there on top of being a coach and like why you felt that like having that um a data science background at while being a coach was was so important to you yeah, that's a great question. So after I was at uh, UVA for five seasons, and so the first two or three seasons, I was doing the job and it was kind of a, um, a fork in my career path potential. I, I thought maybe I could get back into coaching or maybe I should do this um, analytics thing kind of full time and focus on that. And for the first couple of years, I just kind of said, we'll see what happens. And then uh, I thought, you know, I should really start attacking one of those directions. Like either I want to get back into coaching and I really work hard to try and make something work that direction, or I want to do analytics and really focus on that and do everything I can to, to make that a viable path. And um, once I decided on analytics, I, I felt like I had, you know, a math major and I'd been doing some self-taught stuff. Um, in my career and, and in my job, but felt like I probably could use a little bit more hard, um, you know, science background. And so I, I talked to a couple of people in the field. Um, I discussed maybe doing a statistics master's program or data science. And, you know, being at UVA, UVA is a great school and they had a, a data science department that's pretty new. Um, and so they had an online master's of data science program that seemed like it would be a really good fit. I could do it while still working, um, while getting a great education at UVA. And so I uh, started that program and learned a ton, had a great experience. And um, I feel like it has set me up to really go down the path of analytics, you know, better than than where I was before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's really cool. And I'm glad you you got a lot of use out of that and were able to do a couple of things at once there. And, you know, you also worked with, you know, some students while you were there and kind of did football analytics work with them. Can you kind of like talk about that that experience and like how important you think it is for students to like get involved with with the stuff that you were working on? Yeah, uh, you know, one of the reasons I, I wanted to coach football was to be around young people and help them in their life, like help them learn life lessons and get experiences and, you know, help set them up for the rest of their lives. And so when I kind of stepped away from the coaching side of, of football, that was something that I had missed. And so it felt like a natural thing to try and do the same thing, but in a different space. And so I was really blessed to be able to be around such great students at the University of Virginia. Um, to give them the opportunity to, you know, see what analytics, you know, sports analytics looks like, you know, get an opportunity to get some really good experience while working in the field. Um, and it all actually started with uh, somebody that Arjun brought up, Alex Stern, who now works for the Chargers. He emailed me out of the blue um, one year and just said, hey, um, you know, I, I'm really interested in sports analytics. Uh, I know that you're here would I be able to do some sort of internship or something with you? And at the time I didn't have any internships set up, but said, uh, you know, why don't you talk to some of your stats professors, see if this is something that they'd be willing to give you some course credit for. And I'd be willing to, you know, work with you during the season and you'd get some good experiences, et cetera. And he was able to get that set up through the stats department. And so had him as an intern for his, you know, for, um uh, a season and it was during his first big data bowl submission and so that was part of what we worked on that year is is he had a really cool idea and the thought process and then um you know we did that and uh that kind of started the internship and so he did it for a first semester then i had a couple of uh, students during the spring and then alex did it again in the fall with uh, another student, um, Joseph Waisaki, who now works with the Lions. And at the time, they were both in the data science program, and I was just, you know, looking at it. And so 
Um, you know, they were people who were in school, but were farther along in school than I was. So we had kind of this unique um, relationship where they would help me. And then, um, you know, with the, the work with the football team, but then also they would help me with some of my coursework as I was uh, <laughs> trying to get that all figured out. Yeah, no, that's so cool that, you know, you guys had that relationship and, you know, Alex is, is one of the smartest people I've gotten, gotten to talk to in person. And, you know, he's a great guy in general. I, I was curious when, you know, you were working with UVA um, in your analyst role, like, was it a good mix of film and analytics or were you really just doing hardcore opponent scouting through the numbers and data and you weren't focusing as much on film breakdowns for, um, you know, your coaches? Yeah, it was a really good mixture, I'd say. Um, I felt like I was in a really unique spot because I had been a graduate assistant coach and um, coach with this staff um, when they were at BYU. And so I really meshed well. I knew the offense really well because it was an offense that I had played in and then had an opportunity to coach in before. And so it was a, a natural fit for me to continue to work with the offensive staff. And so I was in all of the game plan meetings, um, often suggesting things based on analytics, but then also suggesting things based off of film and based off of my experience with what we were doing. So suggesting plays, suggesting wrinkles to plays, new ideas. And so it was really a, a unique opportunity, I felt like, for me to be in that opportunity to have you know, both the analytics, but also the the football background to, um, you know, contribute in, in multiple ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that sounds like a super cool role. And I'm really glad you got to be a part of that. I felt like after I had met you for the first time, which was, you know, 2020, like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I UVA kind of became like an honorary team for me. Uh, cause I wanted, you know, you to do well and, and everything. So like if they're ever on TV or like their score was on, you know, the ESPN app or something, I would like be sure to check in and make sure that, that things are going well and everything, but that's really cool. And like, and now, you know, from going from, from Virginia to stats bomb, where you're doing some, some really cool stuff. Can you kind of, you know, walk us and the listeners through like what you've been working on there and kind of like the, the journey and the transition from not working for a team anymore and like working for a company instead? Yeah. So it's been kind of a unique um, opportunity to switch from working with a team to working with um, a company. So, um, you know, when you're working with a team, it's very specific on what you need to do as far as reports that need to be run. Um, you know, there's a big organization and, and trying to fit what you do into that organization. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a, a monster at times as far as um, what is asked and, and what needs to be done. Um, whereas with StatsBomb, you know, we're a, a new company starting into the football data. You know, StatsBomb's been around as, as kind of the leader in the soccer data space for a couple of seasons and a couple of years now. And so starting a football product, it's, it's a little bit different where it's um, not as much is set as far as, you know, what data has already been collected, what direction it is. So it's it feels a little bit um, like a startup where you can kind of shape it, how um, shape how it's going to turn out, what it looks like, what what the teams are going to use, um, you know, with a little bit of a, a background already in a lot of it kind of data science world with what we've done in the soccer space. So it's kind of, it's a really unique opportunity to work for a company like that. Um, while, you know, I would say very, very different than working with a team specifically. Yeah. Is there, is there a favorite tool or, or thing on StatsBomb, either the website or like your internal database that you like using the most or, or playing around with that you can share with us? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I love our, a web platform that we've built um, that the teams utilize. Uh, I like it for a couple of reasons. A lot of the stuff, like I mentioned, you know, StatsBomb's been around in, in the soccer space for a long time. And so a lot of the tools and ideas that they use in soccer have now been kind of ported over to the football side. Um, and so kind of using the unique opportunities that they've had on that side to, to build and grow and work with teams and see what works and doesn't, we've put on the football side. Um, you know, myself, I worked for a, a team 
our CEO, Ted Knudsen, worked as a director of soccer analytics for some soccer clubs. Um, our director of North American sports, Seth Partnow, worked as a director of basketball research for a professional team. So one of the things that I, I love about StatsBomb is that it's it's built and catered around people that have worked with teams. And it's built around, hey, what do analysts actually use? What's going to help them in their workflows? And what's going to be um, you know, the, the best way to get our data um, to be actually used by teams? And so that that's kind of one of the deciding factors we use for you know most of our decision making is is it's not just like hey this would be really cool data to work with for our data science team or, or things like that it's it's what's actually going to be utilized by coaches and analysts and what do we actually need to do to set them up to make their lives easier so I think our web platform is really good for that and um, it's really interesting to work um, with our eventing data. And so it becomes basically low frequency tracking data for, um, you know, we collect at the NFL, but also at the college level. And so seeing all of the great models and, and stuff that's done at the NFL level with the big data bowl and, and the next gen stats data, um, you know, thinking of how we'd be able to kind of use those and, and tweak that to um, the college space with some of this um, tracking data that, that we're collecting. And, and so I'd say those two things are, are kind of the main things that I enjoy about the the data and what we have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's so cool, and it's it's really I think like very cool that you know Ted has a soccer background and Seth has a basketball background. You have a football background. That's kind of all being blended together for for all these new ideas. And then you know when you're working with the tracking data, you know there's been a lot of experience with tracking data in soccer and basketball. So I'm sure like they have a lot of help there for football and like something that, you know, I felt like when I was starting my football and like journey, like I got a lot of experience with the play-by-play -play data from NFL fast R, but when the big data bowl happened, my first year that I was coding, uh, I was like pretty easily overwhelmed by the tracking data and everything. So for like people getting started with football analytics that maybe want to participate in the big data bowl or, you know, just work with tracking data in general, you know, from, from a past big data bowl or something, do you have any like tips and tricks that, you know, can kind of get them started with, with that and, and to not feel overwhelmed? Yeah. So I remember when Alex brought his project and when he was working on that first year uh, and he had a few coding questions and I looked at the tracking data and I'd never done anything with tracking data before. And I just looked at it and I said, Alex, I, I cannot help you. I, <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. I don't know. I, I just can't help you. I'm sorry. You're going to have to talk to your stats professors for that kind of question. Uh, so I, I totally get that. That's a, a very common thing to to be overwhelmed with. And it's a brand new data set. But um, one thing that I found helpful is, you know, I've never really had time to do a big data bowl entry myself because um, it's always been, you know, during the season and, and at a really busy time. But seeing other people's data, and I've been a, a judge for the big data bowl um, submissions. Uh, there is a lot that people have done that helps make it a little bit easier to understand. Um, so there are some tutorials that people have put out on Kaggle um, that are really beneficial, um, that, that was really helpful to me. I think having a really good understanding of what play-by-play -play data looks like um, is also beneficial. So where you're not just, hey, this is a ton of data that's kind of overwhelming you're at least able to say, all right, now I can break it down into a play. What does this play look like now? You know, it, it obviously is, is more in depth than that, but having that background, I think is beneficial to where you can say, all right, let's kind of build in steps. This is what a play looks like. And then say, all right, I want to look at just when there's the snap. All right, now all of these snap formations, what does that look like to where you're, you're using kind of the um, tracking data, but you're not using an entire play, you can kind of break it down by like, okay, at the snap, this is what that looks like. This is what it means when all of these coordinates are here. Um, and then as you get comfortable with just kind of one frame of the tracking play by play, then kind of working your way up to a couple of frames and, and to where you'll be able to kind of play with the, the whole play, um, the whole data set. Yeah, no, the tutorials, you know, are super helpful. I know like I didn't put out a submission last year, but I did use the data a little bit and Tom Bliss from NFL was super helpful. And now that, you know, I, I will be like 
uh, competitively competing you know Dan i noticed like danny chu who works with the crack and like he has a really good tutorial about using tracking data so definitely a lot of great resources out there um matt i want to finish it off with a with a fun question so our old boss or my current boss still uh, eric eager he has his own like nfl analytics tree with zach Dropkins on zach Dropkin on the eagles and uh, mehmet erden on the broncos you have your own little analytics coaching tree or analytics tree with you know alex on the chargers and, and ella sumner on on the dolphins are there any other analysts that we can be looking for either out of virginia or, or someone you've interacted with that you know could be hired by a team sooner anyone you want to shout out uh it, it was weird to think of it as like an analytics tree um <laughs> you know you always hear about like coaching trees in the nfl um and in college so like you know andy reed is, is part of my grandpa's coaching tree um sure. you know because he was a, a ga under my grandpa at byu so similar to you tage when you were saying you were like catching up on on uva scores like you know i've always just been all right andy he's part of the the family tree um <laughs> But yeah, so Alex is working for the Chargers. Ella worked on a capstone project with the football team, and, and she's working with the Dolphins now. Um, Joseph Waisaki was an intern with Alex, and he's working for the Lions currently. He's on the operations side of, of that. Um, another one of my interns last year is um, working at FanDuel um, in the betting side. And so it's it's fun to see people get an opportunity um you know the sports analytics you know career is is wide it's not it doesn't mean just working with the team specifically um and so you know with her working for FanDuel it, it's cool to see her get an opportunity to work in sports analytics and you know do something that she loves so that's definitely something that I'm going to miss you know not working for a school um is getting a chance to work with those students and, and kind of see what happens in, in their career. But um, if I do have three, that's more than Eric. So <laughs> I have to start a competition, a friendly competition, obviously. That's that's awesome though. Like look at the the impact that you've had. I think, you know, something that you should be really proud of. And you know, you this, you know, this is a lot of fun. Thanks, thanks for coming on today to talk to us. Uh really enjoyed this conversation. For everyone listening, you know, you can be sure to follow him at the coach edwards on twitter and check out the articles he keeps pumping out uh on, on statsbomb.com so matt thanks thanks again for coming on awesome thanks so much guys we want to thank matt edwards for taking the time to talk to us today very enjoyable conversation be sure to check out his stuff at statsbomb and follow him on twitter at the coach edwards uh, so now we will go into our bet of the week and unhinged tweet of the week. So for the bet of the week, I was kind of doing some week one research just to see if there's any noise behind anything in, in week one specifically. And, you know, I think week one is a little different than just randomly picking like week five and saying like, oh, this player always does well in week five, because week one is like, you know, different coaches spend a different amount of time preparing for that week, right? Like you'll see coaches that have a entire game plan, you know, specifically for the opponent's weaknesses that they're playing against. Or you'll see coaches that, you know, focus a lot on training camp and culture and making sure their players are ready. And that, you know, you can see the benefits of that as the season goes on. So one of the coaches that I think focuses a lot on week one is Sean McVay. And so DraftKings has a bet uh, team total points uh, for the Rams week one at 24 and a half points. And so I would take the over there because McVay's offenses has averaged 32.6 points a game in week ones in his five years in Los Angeles, right? So you have the 2017, uh, which was his head coaching debut, and Jared Goff was just coming off the worst rookie season of all time. And they put up 46 points uh, against the Colts. And then 2018, they put up 33 points against the Oakland Raiders at the time. Uh, 2019, they put up 30 points against the Panthers and then uh, the 20 points against the Cowboys, which was kind of a down year for their offense. And But then they were able to put up 34 points uh, with their new quarterback last year. And so I, you know, I understand the Bills had one of the best defenses in the league last year um, and, you know, probably will again this year. But the offense, you know, usually controls the outcome of a lot of these things. And I think McVay will be ready for, for week one. And uh, Allen Robinson is, you know, something that the Bills don't have film on how exactly he's going to work 
in that offense yet. You know, he could play in the slot outside. It's going to be really cool to see, you know, kind of the things that he does with them. Uh, and then, you know, as, as long as Stafford's elbow is okay, which I think it, it will be. And, you know, having followed him for so long, he, he plays, plays through basically anything. So I, I like, you know, the Rams score over 24 and a half points in week one. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. The, this is like, obviously going to be the best game on the slate of week one. And I think it's going to be for betters, a really interesting case of power rankings versus trend betters. The power ranks are going to say the Bills should, you know, win this game. That's where that's why they're favored by now two and a half points. Um, but you look at trends, right? McVay is five and zero against the spread in the first week, which is something you just found today morning. And I think like McVay, he always does the thing, and we've talked about it. Like he'll always start the season hot. He'll always run the new plays he's installed mm-hmm. in training camp. Stafford, you know, obviously, I think the elbow injury. Could be concerning, but they have the best sports science staff in the league. They have been monitoring his reps so that he can come out firing in week one. And like the thing with the Bills is like, I think they'll be great. They're obviously the Super Bowl favorites for a reason. Tredavious White, he hasn't practiced, I don't think, and he hasn't played in the preseason at all. If week one is his first game back, I mean, that's not a like the Rams are one of the most explosive teams in the NFL. Like that's not going to be a great matchup for him mm-hmm. to come back to as much as I like Kyrie Elam and like how he's going to fit into that scheme, like that's going to be his first game as well against like real NFL players and not just the preseason. And then, you know, they, the, the bills in general, I think their defense, like it's, it's okay. Like it's, it's probably going to be like top 10 last year's top. It was the best because mm-hmm. of their schedule. But as we know, offense kind of drives defensive performance more than defensive drives Our defense drives defensive performance. So definitely like the bet. The only concern i'd have with that is it's 24 and a half and i think embedding 21 and 24 key numbers because of how often it lands so you're kind of betting on the rams to um score four touchdowns or three touchdowns and two field goals but i think it's definitely doable and the bills you know they throw the ball a lot so it's probably going to be a high high paced game so rams should get at least you know 11 to 12 drives in the game and i i'd expect them to convert it into scoring drives and at least um, you know, four or five of them. So definitely like the bet. And if I had to pick a spread, it would be to take Rams money line because I do think like McVay in week one is just, is, is just crazy. Like Mm -hmm. he's, he's done it every year. And I don't, I'm not sure if we should be uh, picking the bills just because of their power rank. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. And like, I think, I think that's why like the Rams offense, I think will do really well in week one, but I don't know. I don't know if I see their defense really stopping the bills because like the way that the bills have constructed their offense is just going to make it a tough task for like literally any defense in the league. Like, I don't, I don't know if there's a defense, like that's kind of that I would trust to to stop everything that they're doing. Maybe the Packers or the saints um, because of what they kind of have yeah. going there. But you know, when you have Josh Allen, who's top four quarterback in the league, I think like in the elite tier right now, as, as most would agree on, throwing to Stefan Diggs, who's one of the best route runners in the league. Gabriel Davis has taken a step up. And then you, you know, you have the the combination of Devin Singletary, who's a good downhill rusher, and then James Cook, who had a very high explosive run rate coming out of college that can be used, you know, in the screen game or as Josh Allen shutdown. There's just too many ways that the Bills can beat you. So, you know, I trust McVay as an offensive play caller to have the Rams, you know, scoring a lot of points uh in this game, but I don't know if, you know, I I have a lot of faith in the Rams defense, maybe, you know, keeping the the bills under the 27 and a half. Yeah. So maybe that's why the bills win by a couple points. And, you know, that's that's OK, as long as the Rams go over and, and we win this bet here. But <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I agree. That's why I said, like, if I was to place mm-hmm. a bet on the side, it would be to take the Rams or it, it like if and that's the big question. But like, I do agree, like if I was to bet on this game, it would be in general, just to take something about the Rams offense. And yeah. like, I mean, I'm obviously going to have to get some action going. Like I don't, it's the first game of the year. I don't really need action to like get my juices flowing during the game, but I do really like this bet. And I mean, it's definitely one I'll probably place after we end this call. Um, But time for my unhinged tweet of the week. So this came uh, actually today morning, this guy, Mike Winkett, he said, if Aaron Rodgers retired right now, the Packers would win the NFC North this year with Jordan Love. <laughs> so, like, I don't think people realize, like, Jordan Love is, like, not – or he hasn't been a good quarterback in his first two years. Even in the preseason, he hasn't really, like, 
done much. And obviously playing with scrubs in the preseason doesn't really tell you much about a quarterback, even if they are playing against scrubs on defense. But like in the one game Jordan Love showed against the world, against a pretty like mediocre Kansas City Chiefs team in uh, whatever week they played, Jordan Love put up seven points, right? And like I was on the I, – I got really – um screwed over because i was on the packers early like i was on the packers when it was like packers plus two side packers plus two and the money line it it went to packers minus three or mm -hmm. minus two and a half because this is when the chiefs were slumping mm -hmm. and then aaron Rodgers got coped and you know got really bad cleave and they didn't even cover so like jordan love is not like he hasn't shown anything to be a good nfl mm -hmm. quarterback and he's not going to have the best receiver in the nfl the, the thing with Aaron Rodgers is he, he can turn four above average or just average quality receivers into good players. Jordan Love can't do that, and he hasn't mm -hmm. shown a tendency to do that. He's the type of quarterback where you need a Tavante Adams or you need like a Keenan Allen like mm -hmm. or a Jamar Chase to succeed, and he doesn't have that. And as much as I like that defense, you know, the Packers are playing a number one schedule, or like a, a first seed schedule in, in the season, so – it's it's going to be a lot on the offense like to put up points and i i don't like i don't think jordan love has the capability to do that without Devontae adams mm -hmm. yeah definitely agree i think that tweet's hilarious uh there's a reason why the packers were so worried about rogers retiring uh last offseason and this offseason because they they didn't really want to trot out jordan love you know i'm happy that He's doing well in the preseason against second stringers and, you know, Packers, the Packers fans have, have had some fun with him throwing to Romeo Dobbs and everything. But, you know, I just, I don't, I don't see him being, you know, the, he's definitely not the, he wouldn't definitely be the best quarterback in the division because Kirk Cousins uh, as, as much of a Kirk as he is, would, would be a better <laughs> yeah. quarterback. And he's throwing to Justin Jefferson, who's one of the best receivers in the league right now. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't think, you know, Jared Goff is necessarily, you know, maybe not a tier three quarterback or anything, but he at, at least has shown he's been able to be pretty consistent, like can kind of show you what you have on offense. Yeah. And Jordan Love might be so sporadic that you're not able to figure out which of your wide receivers are good and everything. So, that, yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy to eat. Um, you know, well, well I, I, I hope, you know, Love gets to play another game this year. Uh, and, and we can kind of see this play out to, to see what happens. But yeah, you're right. That that Chiefs game was ugly last year. And then he also played three quarters against the Lions in week 18 and gave that game to the Lions yeah. by throwing, I think it was two interceptions, one like right in his own territory. So the Lions ended up squeaking out that win as well. So uh, yeah, well, I'd, I'd, I'd like the, the Packers fan thought process there. That's, it's funny. Yeah. Okay, so I think I think that covers everything. You know, this was a really fun episode. Um, our fun discussion at the beginning, and then talking with Matt Edwards. Uh, hope you guys like the bet and the unhinged tweet of the week. We'll be back next week with our official like big NFL preview. That should be a lot of fun and kind of give you like how we're thinking the season's gonna play out. Should be some pretty interesting insights there. And you know, looking forward to reconnecting in person um, next time we record. But until next time, I'll take the. Soul's up.